This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Please follow along in your own Bible or as the text is presented on the screens above. I'll be reading from the New International Version today. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of the Lord. Our lives can be so fragmented, disrupted, torn apart and splintered. We can be so out of sync with the deepest parts of who we are and what we really long for. But there's truth that centers us, aligns us, and connects us in ways that we don't expect. The words of Jesus, truth and life. In him we find a new way to be human, a new way to live, sync. ask Laura and Callahan to come on up here. We're going to be uh, talking about prayer today, listening to Jesus on prayer. And so, Lauren, you are somebody um, who has grown in your prayer life, and I want you to uh, let people know about that. Okay. Well, I grew up in a Christian family, and while we prayed at the dinner table and before bedtime, they were memorized, wrote prayers. It wasn't talking sincerely from your heart to God. And so, as I think about how my heart um, for prayer now is and how that evolved over time, one of the first things I think of is a visit to see my Aunt Jackie and cousins in San Diego. I think I was probably in junior high at the time. And we drove to Tijuana. And that involved crossing the Mexican border and finding parking in a large, crowded, poor area. And I remember my Aunt Jackie praying loudly along the way for every detail of our trip. She prayed for safety, for a parking place, and I found it kind of strange and a little uncomfortable, but it made a huge impact on me. And then I attended Chick as a senior in high school, and that was one of the first times I remember praying out loud in front of my peers, and I was really embarrassed because when I pray, tears stream down my face. And then after college, I lived with a girl named Rosemary. She was from Uganda, and she had very dark, beautiful skin and a thick accent. 
And from the first day we met, we prayed together about whether we should become roommates. And she would grab my hands and pray in her beautiful accent. And I think her example was another step in developing my heart for prayer. Then once I got married, I would write out lists of everything I wanted to pray for. And I found myself trying to cover the whole list every night. And it was too much. So I divided it into topics, and I had a different thing that I cover each day. And now I have a three-ring binder so I can add and um, update. So um, then I became a parent, so humbling, and a huge reason to pray. And I began to attend MOPS at PLCC, and every week I'd see this group of moms going into this room and closing the door. And finally I asked when I knew, what are you doing in there? And was told about moms in touch, moms praying for kids in schools. And I knew right then that I wanted to pray my kids through their school years. So when Anna was in kindergarten, I started a moms in prayer group for Creekside Elementary. That's what the organization is called now. And their goal is just for every school to be covered in prayer. And um, it's an hour of moms praying for kids in schools. And I always leave this time of prayer feeling so incredibly blessed. And so last spring, I prayed about and said yes to becoming a Moms in Prayer Area Coordinator for the Issaquah School District. And so I support and train leaders and help interested moms get connected to prayer groups. And one thing I really love about Moms in Prayer is we use scripture to pray God's word back to him. And it's the Acts format that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. It starts with A for adoration or praise. It's just a time of praising God for his character or an attribute that he has. Then comes C, confession, a short time of silent confession, so we can come before God with pure hearts. And then T, thanksgiving, thanking God for all he has done and the many answered prayers. And finally, S, supplication or intercession, asking for our wants and needs to be met by God. And although there is no wrong way to talk to God, I love to use this method when I'm praying alone with my kids or with other moms. And as prayer has become a bigger part of my life, I've experienced so many answers to prayer. It's amazing to see how God shows up in the details of our lives. And one last way God continues to work in my life through prayer is just by helping me be more aware of the Holy Spirit. As I pay attention to who or what the Lord brings to mind or across my path each day, I pray for that need. What a privilege to be able to approach the creator of the universe any time of the night or day. To God be the glory. Hey, how was that? Okay, so it would seem, um, I, know, I know when I see a gift in front of me, and uh, it seemed wise for me to ask you to pray for me right now. Would you do that? All right. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for being our Father. Mm-hmm. You give us good gifts. We praise you for giving us the right to become your children. We praise you for giving us your Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And we confess our brokenness and our need for constant forgiveness. Thank you that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us. We thank you for this church, the body of Christ to do life with, a family of families. We thank you for Pastor Mark, the senior leader for our church. We are so blessed to have him leading and teaching us. And we pray for Pastor Mark today. Give him health, wisdom, and vision as he leads us and helps us grow in likeness to you, Jesus Christ. Speak through him as he shares with us today. Help us learn to pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, 
I don't think there's any doubt that God, that Jesus wants us to pray more, more quantity, more quality. Is that right? I mean, do you kind of get that sense as you read the New Testament? And um, so it's not a matter of trying to discern God's will here. We know that he wants us to pray, and it really is pretty simple. The idea is really simple. Any child can do it, and the access is there according to Jesus, but we struggle with it. We wonder sometimes if we have any connection. Is anybody really hearing us? It's really hard. And so uh, Jesus knows that, and he lived out this human thing, and he did it really, really well perfectly. And so we can learn from him. That's what we're doing in this series called Sync. And this is the last of this series, uh, learning, getting lined up with Jesus in various areas. And I'll just go, you know, I went back and looked at my notes. So obedience, that was where we started. And then forgiving. What did Jesus have to say about forgiving? What did he have to say about loving our enemies and about being judgmental and about shining like a light on a hill and uh, about neighboring and about speaking the gospel to the world that needs to hear it and today about prayer in each of these areas. And hopefully you've been in a, in a life group where you can work those things out in a discipleship kind of way, taking steps inch by inch, growing closer, looking more like Jesus, never quite getting there, but being filled, renewed by him daily. So next week, a little ad here for the next week, we're going to do a four-part series. There's four chapters in the book of Ruth. Wonderful story in the Old Testament, called, and we're going to call it Tenacious Love, leading us up to Christmas. So something to look forward to. But today we're going to focus on this passage. You mentioned there was a prayer in this passage. What's it called? The Lord's Prayer, right? Or it's Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, which is a little different than the one we use. But um, these words, but we're not going to focus on the Lord's Prayer Uh, We're going to actually, we'll have a little song later on as we respond. We'll be singing uh, words from the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to focus on the how and why that comes in verses 5 through 13. Jesus explaining, uh, how do we get through some of these these barriers that we have? And so uh, we're going to look at the challenge. I'm going to just list two of those, how we can break through, uh, and then what we must know about God. That's our outline for this morning. So, challenge. I'm going to, uh, just two things. One is we don't feel qualified. Most of us, at least at times, just don't feel, we're not well scrubbed enough, we don't have the right words, we just don't feel qualified to pray. And uh, somebody that I've appreciated, I've been to pastor's conferences where I've heard this guy, it's two minutes here, I'm going to let you listen to Michael Jr. on being qualified for prayer. For the first time when I started going to church and I walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right. Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good. and She must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse, in the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. 
you're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly. Amen. <laughs> All right. So you wonder what happens when I go to pastor conferences. There you go. Um, G.K. Chesterton, a famous guy, uh, I'll quote him, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. That's his quote. Badly. Don't let your perfectionism keep you from doing that which is most important in life. It's, if it's worth doing, if it's really important, it's worth doing badly. Um, it, in prayer, does God want to hear a perfect prayer from you, or does he just want to hear from you? That's the, the idea. So uh, Dr. James Houston, who I um, have, been, have learned from about prayer, says that prayer is for amateurs. And an amateur, the Greek or the Latin word for am, is amateur, which means lovers of. Not necessarily somebody who's really good at it, but just somebody who loves to do it. Prayer is for amateurs. Uh, we were Thanksgiving, we Skyped with our, we have two three-year-old grandsons. And um, it's hard when you're Skyping, you know, there's technical stuff going on. And then there's the three-year-old vocabulary. It's really hard to understand. And you know what? I didn't understand a lot of it, but I was so blessed just to be looking there at my grandchildren. I wonder if God... It, it's not about getting it all right. And, and so you, you appreciate the humor there, but it's just about blurting it out. Prayer is blurting it out. It's what's in your heart coming forth. Uh, the second thing, we don't, not only do we not feel qualified for prayer, but we feel ineffective in our prayers. And uh, this has a real uh, kind of a slow drip method of getting us off track. So, little story. I, have a, I think I've shared this before, but I have a, a good friend from way back whose son played Major League Baseball for 10 years. Okay? So I got a lot of stories from the inside on what it's like to be in the major leagues which is a fantasy I had when I was a kid. So, you know, it's kinda, I like to know these things. So, uh, but one day I called him up, and it was shortly after um, a birthday of his son who was in, the, I can't remember what team he was playing for then, but he, he, he was mad at God. He, my friend was mad at God because he had prayed on his son's birthday that he would get two hits. Very specific. Good to be specific in your prayers. Two hits. Okay? And, in fact, his son struck out three times, didn't get on base. And he was mad at God for that. Now, I, you know, I mean, you, you just got to let people be mad at God if they're mad at God. And I didn't try to uh, tell him otherwise. I'd give him theology or whatever. Uh, just let it be. Uh, 
But it, his, his comment at the end of our conversation was, what's the point? If I pray with the best motivations of a father for his son and nothing happens, then what is the point? It feels really ineffective. And if you feel ineffective long enough, it can lead to skepticism. And skepticism is just inches away from cynicism. And you stop praying. You see? Well, Jesus knows that we struggle. It seems he knows, based on the words that we have before us today, that, he, that we struggle with feeling qualified and with being ineffective. So he tells a story. How can we break through? He's going to tell a story. And then uh, he starts out with, there was a, a man who came to his friend at midnight. And so imagine this at your house. And these are, these are houses where everybody slept in the same room, basically. So there's, there's children there, and everyone's asleep. And the man knocks on the door, and he says in a loud voice, uh, I need some food because a friend of mine has just arrived from out of town. I don't have anything to give him, and kind of the, the codes of hospitality require can I borrow some bread? Three loaves would be nice. Very specific again, three loaves. And the man in response says, hey, do you know what time it is? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but do you know what time it is? And do you know that we're all asleep in here? Uh, no, I am not going to give you three loaves of bread. And then Jesus enters into the conversation and says, you know what, they're, they're, the man must have had second thoughts because he, he said he, did, he, he will get up. But it's not because you're his friend or he's your friend. It's because of your, and this is the phrase that we read in the, in the NIV, but I'll, I'll give you a little help with the word here in a sec. It's a phrase, it's because of his shameless audacity that, I will, that that man then will get up and give him the three loaves of bread. Not, not out of friendship, but shameless audacity. Do you, do you have, here's a question, do you have shameless audacity? Does somebody sitting next to you have that? Yeah. It, and it's a word that means boldness, uh, brashness, uh, uh, persistence. It, it has, we're going to figure that out here in a sec. It, it has, you just keep banging on that door. I know you're in there. <laughs> I can hear you breathing. I hear your kids. It, it has that element to it. The Jews have a great word that covers this in modern Yiddish. It's the word chutzpah, right? You know that word? It starts with a C, but you don't say the C. Chutzpah it means a lot of nerve. You have a lot of nerve. And somehow this, this quality is what got that man out of, bread, out of bed and gave him the three loaves of bread. And Jesus tells that story uh, to teach us on something that if we're going to get through this, break through this, these challenges of being ineffective and unqualified, we're going to have to have some shameless audacity. Now, when I, when I first became a Christian, I listened to uh, preachers on the radio. I don't know. I don't do that anymore, but I did that. And I remember one of them saying that you should never pray the same prayer twice. Because to do so is to show a lack of faith in the first time you prayed it. And I thought about that. And then I read the Bible, and that's not true. 
That is just not true. Jesus says to just continue praying with shameless audacity. God never tires of hearing the same prayers like a three-year-old who says, do it again, do it again, do it again. And whatever that is, and you get, you know, we get bored, but no, God does not get bored. He loves to hear those requests over and over, and why he doesn't answer them the first time is one of the mysteries we have to live with. In verse 8, there is a huge qualifier that we need to throw in here, if uh, just in the story, but it says, uh, right after the, the, the commending of the man's shameless audacity, he said, Jesus says, he will get up and give him as much as he, and here's the word, he needs. He will give him as much as he needs. So there's a part of me that, as I think back to the conversation with my friend about his son not getting any hits that day, there's a part of me that says he should have prayed for four home runs that day. It's only been, for those of you who love statistics, it's only been 18, done 18 times in the history of baseball. Somebody hitting four home runs in one game. Why didn't you pray that audacious prayer? That would be shameless audacity, wouldn't it not? But then is that really what, then here's this text, is it really what he needed? Is that, would that have been good for his son's soul. I want to get this up here. This is, this is a, uh, I have nobody to credit on this. It's just my best way of saying what, what, I, what I think the text is saying. But I want to make sure you, get, you see it. Our best prayer is when we pray what we would pray if we knew everything God knows. Do we know everything God knows? Oh, we don't. Do we really know what we need? Are we capable? We're going to get to this in a minute. But it says, if your son asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? Are we capable of asking for a snake and thinking it's a fish? Have you done that? Will you pray for something? And then further down the road, as you get more knowledge of the situation and as you see God working in your life, you recognize the fact that you had actually been praying for a a snake. And you thought it was a fish. So it's just our best prayer, and this is where we have to be really humble, our best prayer in our shameless audacity is when we pray what we would pray if we knew everything God knows. And he knows what we truly need. Well, Jesus throws some uh, more fuel on the fire here in in these verses 9 and 10. Ask... Seek and knock, and if it helps you to remember that what's the alliteration there is A-S-K, which is ask. So if you just want to think ask, ask, seek, knock. And uh, the idea is you just keep going at it. You just keep praying. Um, And... When you let me try to illustrate this. I, on Thanksgiving morning, I went to the, the, the guess what? The YMCA was open from seven to noon, and then everything closed down. Right? So you see all these people there in the morning, and you know that they're just. It's kind of like working it off before you put it on. Right? That's kind of the idea of it. And it was crowded, and in the locker room afterwards, obviously the men's locker room, okay, I won't just say that, but there was was an event, and um, I I have seen this uh, father and son there before, but it's a father who's got a son who's who's obviously would would be high on the autism scale. 
And the son in the locker room, which is uh, confined space, had a, a real, just a super meltdown. Okay? This, this is, if, you, if you've never been around this before, and there were little kids there, and it created quite a, a stir. And, uh, and I, 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 yeah, just, all, I don't know, the impulse came, but I just started praying. May the peace of Christ be over this, this son and over this father. Oh God, come right now into this place. Bring your peace. Bring your peace. Bring your peace. And things just kind of got calm. Now, I, I'm not making great claims for my prayer, but uh, here's what I wanted to say is that I wouldn't have prayed that prayer if I had grown hardened and cold, wondering why even bother. See, you don't do the bubble-up, kid-like prayers when you become so adult that you forget that God can do anything. And there was more to that story, but I just want to say it was kind of beautiful. Asking, seeking, knocking. I want to... um, I want to do a discipleship moment thing here. Are you okay with that? I'm going to ask you to do something, and then we're going to... Well, you're here. Doors are locked. Can't go anywhere. <laughs> now, I want you to think about this, this shameless audacity thing, and I, I want you to think of a prayer that maybe has grown stale in your heart, that was once big and bold and impossible, but you began to pray it, and it became worn and started to sag, and there just wasn't that thing, that, that life in it, your prayer anymore, and then you kind of just drip, 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 and you forget to pray. And then, I mean, what, just think about something in your life. I think we all live with that. Maybe it's because we feel unqualified, but more likely it's because of the ineffectiveness that we feel, feel like our prayers just aren't, you know, it's not a prayer that God wants to hear, whatever it is, you know. Ask, seek, knock. I know you're in there. But what is that prayer for you? What is that prayer that can come back to life? We'll come back to that in a few minutes when we close. So uh, what do we have to know about God? Because, and this is really important because the one, it's all about relationship and the one we're praying to. How does Jesus start the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, probably the most important line in the whole prayer. Our Father, it's the one we're addressing. And this is where Jesus says that he's using a comparison thing here. He said, would a father, could a father give a snake to a son who asks for a fish, or could he give a scorpion to a son who asks for an egg? And so we have, in our family, we have this kind of funny story that gets told. And Patty, I got a permission to tell it. Um... But I, I probably won't tell it the way she would, so you can go to her later if you want to hear the real, the way she sees it. Okay. To illustrate, our, our, our youngest son, Sam, uh, when he was uh, just approaching his fifth birthday, he had lost a bunny rabbit. Bunny rabbit died. By the way, bunny rabbits always die. <laughs> you know, in case you're wondering about buying your kids a bunny rabbit, they always die. All right. Um, we had the cage, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what you remember from today's message. <laughs> we had this cage there, and the, for the birthday, the idea was to get another bunny rabbit. 
which would also die. But anyway, um, so to kind of, you know, Patty's very thoughtful about gifts and she's very sweet. Did I mention she's very sweet? I need to say that. But um, she put in the cage uh, a stuffed bunny that already belonged to Sam. And let's see, what else was it? An onion, for some reason, which she can explain to you. And a note. Okay, so there's the cage. Sam's birthday, he wakes up, he sees his present. And he starts to cry. And it wasn't because the onion was cut. It's because he already owns that. And who, what mother would give her son an onion with, some, with a stuffed bunny that he already owns and he can't read the note? <laughs> He's now in his uh, early 30s and he just loves to tell that story about his mom and the trauma that he has had to live with all these years. Okay, that's just a, a funny story. But it, it picks up the parallel here. What mother, <laughs> you know, what mother, what father would um, give his son a snake when he asked for a fish or a scorpion when he asked for an egg? And the, the, it's a rhetorical question. No one would. But this father in heaven who loves you so much... And, and you, being imperfect or evil compared to, to God in his love for you, how much he wants to give you what? He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. How much more will your Heavenly Father give, you the, Holy, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And who is the Holy Spirit? We've got to remember this. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the one who makes Christ, who makes Christ's words fresh in our hearts daily. Holy Spirit, come. He is the one who, when we don't know what to pray, he prays for us. Holy Spirit, come. He is the one who whispers to us, Paul says. He whispers to our hearts on like this stream of consciousness basis. He whispers to your heart that you are God's child. But it's not about your performance. It's about his love for you. Now, do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you not want those things in your life? And God is predisposed to give them to all who ask, and apparently he does not give them to those who don't ask. And is there anything greater that you could pray for this morning? All right. I've primed your prayer pump. Let's, let's pray. And I want you to stand because I want you to be focused. Go ahead and stand. And with hearts open, as best you can, let's make our prayers effective because we are qualified through Christ. And I'm going to, just with your eyes closed, I'm going to give you two options here, but whatever you want is great. But the first one is to go back to that discipleship prayer earlier. Is there a sagging prayer, a dormant prayer, a prayer that was once alive that has become stale in your heart? They might have to do with a relationship or an addiction or a person who needs healing or a person who needs salvation in Christ. Would you bring that to the forefront again and allow Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit to breathe life into that prayer in a way that it is full of shameless audacity? 
Or another option would just be to pray for the Holy Spirit, that gift that God wants to give, to desire more of the Spirit in your life. Just take a moment of silence now and latch on to one thing. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come into our hearts. Come into our prayers. Shape them. We give them to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.